to be warriors, prayer warriors. That's what we're called to. We're called to be prayer warriors. But then he said this, mostly we feel like prayer wanderers. How many of you could identify with that? Uh, Because prayer is hard. It's something that we want to be able to do, uh, but we need lots of help. Uh, There's, in fact, uh, a Christian book for dummies. There's a prayer book for dummies. You know the Dummies series, uh, How to Do Everything for Dummies, right? Um, there is a dummies for, a Christian prayer for dummies, and in that book you will find this, uh, this quote. Prayer is like a greased pig at a county fair, often pursued but rarely grasped. That's it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been at the county fair, uh, seen the grease pig contest. I, I happened to catch one of those when I was, when I was a kid in 4-H, and um, I just remember that everybody tried, 99% of them failed, and there was one kid that somehow had the secret of how to hold this greased pig, pig and he, he got the blue ribbon or whatever it was. And is that, is that how prayer is? Is prayer something that's very slippery and only grasped by a select few? I think sometimes that's how we feel. And what if we could change that? What if we could put an experiment together uh, to, to build our lives around prayer? And if, if we were able to do that, what would our lives then look like? And so to do that experiment, what we're going to do is just, just give you a rally cry for the next several weeks, and it's going to be this, pray first. Pray first. And that is a prescription that addresses literally every part of your life. So, in every situation, we're just going to say, I'm going to pray first. Every situation. So, what if I wake up in the morning and the very first thing I do is say, Lord, I dedicate this day to you? What if before I turn the light out at night, I say, Lord, I pray first. Thank you for the day. Thank you that you are the God who gives rest. Maybe. Before my meals, I pray first, God, you are the great provider of even spices, and we pray that they were used for this meal. What if before the appointment, we pray first? Bob is here to see you. Okay, hold him out there just for a second. I'm going to pray first. God, I really need this account. Would you help me to make a lot of money? Bob, show Bob in. Show Bob in. Uh, Pray first. What if It's before the call for a very hard conversation you have to have with somebody. And you just say, God, you pray first. Help me with this conversation. Help me to season it with grace so that the person on the other end understands and senses your love for them. Uh, Maybe it's before class starts. God, I'm going to pray first. Through this class, would you help me to turn my knowledge that that I'll glean into wisdom so that I can live rightly for you. Maybe it's before that game starts, pray first. God, through this game, would you give me what I need to make me more like you? Maybe it's before the email, before the tweet, before the post. God, let my words build other people up instead of tearing them down. Before that purchase Pray first before you hand your credit card over. God, would you help me not to put too much trust in this gadget that I'm buying? Help me to understand that it will never make the difference in my life like you will. Pray first before you turn the the key for the trip, whether it's across town or across the country. God, help me wherever I go to love well. Pray first. And I think 
that is the spirit behind the verse in 1 Thessalonians that we just read. Pray continually. That's what, that's what Paul says. Uh, and if, by the way, if you need a scripture to memorize this week, I'm giving you three words. It couldn't be easier. Pray without ceasing. Congratulations, you have memorized scripture. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. What does it mean to never stop praying? Does that mean I have to be on my knees 24-7? that I have to sell my house and move into a cave somewhere and pray for, for all my life? No, I don't think so. I think what Paul is getting at is that he's asking us to bathe every situation in our life in prayer. Go ahead and live your life, but bring prayer into everything you do. And by the way, that's God's will. Do you see that? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Lots of people like to say, what's God's will for my life? Here's the answer. Pray without ceasing. That's His will. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Now, that's the idea that we're going to camp underneath for the next few weeks. And I don't know that there's anything that we need more right now than this idea of praying first. Uh, we need a vaccine, right? Pray first. What do we need in our society? We need peace in our society. Pray first. After this last week, <laughs> we need political peace. Pray first. We need a stimulus check. How many of you have been checking your account? Make sure it goes to the right place. Pray first. We need prayer first. Peter Kreeft, who is a, a Christian philosopher, uh, says that some say prayer is a waste of time. Um, it, it's an unaffordable luxury today. He says, I don't think there's anything more relevant and responsible that, than prayer because nothing else can ever cure our sick world except saints. And saints are never made except by prayer. And then he writes this, nothing but saints can save our world because the deepest root of all the world's diseases is sin. And saints are the antibodies that fight that sin. Nothing but prayer can make saints because nothing but God can make saints. And we meet God in prayer. Prayer is the hospital for souls where we meet Dr. God. And do you know what that means? It means at least this, that you and I have a role to play in our society, in our culture. And so when you see something like happened on Wednesday, when you see the latest breaking news run across your screen, you have a role to play. Here it is. Pray first. Pray first. Prayer needs to become like the very air that we breathe as Christians. And so, I want to give you a seven-day challenge. Um, I'm going to give you another challenge later on, but here's uh, one for the next seven days, and it's this, that I want you to pick one event that will happen every day out of your next seven days, and I want you to commit to pray first before that event occurs, okay? So, uh, hopefully, all of you are going to brush your teeth every day. That's probably something you should do if you're not, okay? Uh, maybe you fix coffee, every day. Maybe you tie your shoes every day. Maybe you walk the dog every day. Maybe you work out every day. Maybe you drive your car somewhere every day. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever you do every day uh, for the next seven days, commit 
Pick one of those things and commit to pray first before you do that thing. And to help, uh, today I want to give you some principles that will help you to develop a lifestyle of prayer. How do we pray without ceasing and invite God into everything we do? First, we need to consider that uh, prayer is a priority. We need to consider the priority of prayer. Um, Whenever we throw around language like first, we, we say, first I have to go to the store, or first I've got to return this email, or first I have to go by the gas station and gas up the car. First always communicates a priority in our lives. The other thing that first does is first always sets a precedent for everything else that is coming down the line. Whatever we do first influences the way we will do that thing from then on. And, and it's why we remember all of those key firsts in our life. We remember our first day of school. We remember our first date. We remember our first kiss. We remember our first job, our first pet, our first child. The list goes on and on. And what first does is it has power. And so, there's something about opening your eyes in the, at the beginning of the day, at the first of the day, and saying, God, this day is yours. I want to serve you. It's why we worship on the first day of the week, because the first will bless the rest. It's, the, it's why God commands us to give the first in a tithe. A tithe isn't really as much about the amount as it is the order. It's about God putting God first at the top of our list of bills and obligations and saying, no matter what, God, you are first. And just like those things, prayer demands a priority in our life if we're a Christian. Prayer is saying to God every day, before I look to anything else in this life as my resource, I'm going to look to you. That's what you're communicating in prayer. Prayer is putting God first where He belongs, and we get that chance to do that in every circumstance in our life. I remember uh, moving from Pittsburgh, Kansas to St. Louis, Missouri. We were taking, I was taking a youth ministry in St. Louis, and, and some of those leaders and elders packed up from St. Louis, and they came down to Pittsburgh to help us move. And I remember being in our utility room, and we were trying to unhook a washer to get it loaded on the truck. And this fitting just wasn't, the hose wasn't coming loose from this pipe. And we were in danger of breaking this pipe. We just didn't know what to do. We tried oil and WD-40 and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one of the elders stepping up and he grabbed this pipe wrench. And as he, as he stepped up to the pipe, he just said, Lord, let this fitting turn. And it did. Now, would the fitting have come off without prayer? Yeah, if we would have gotten a big enough wrench, it's going to come off, okay? But what was he doing? He wasn't asking as much for the fitting to come off as he was, God, would you join me in this process of getting this fitting and this washer hose unhooked? And do you see the difference? There's a low view of prayer that makes God into some kind of cosmic slot machine where we say, God, just do what I want you to do. But a high view of prayer makes God our friend. God, would you be with me as I unhook even this washer hose? Because if I have you, then I have everything I need, even if this pipe ends up breaking. Prayer is not about asking for your needs as much as it is asking 
about God connecting with you. And the reason we ask is so that we can appreciate the answer that God gives. Dutch Sheets says it this way, that prayer is not a check request asking for things from God. It's a deposit slip, a way of depositing God's character into our bankrupt souls. And what this elder was communicating when he stepped up to that pipe was that even in the twisting of a pipe fitting, God was first in his life. He had a deep connection with God because he had a priority of prayer, and it was evident in his life. In Daniel chapter 6, the prophet Daniel gets word that the king has issued a decree that nobody should pray to any God or any man except for the king for the next 30 days. And so, the very next verse says this, that Daniel, when he knew that that had been signed into law, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God. And here's the key, as he had done previously. Prayer was a priority for Daniel, one that Daniel knew that he could not afford to miss. And would we be people who make prayer that kind of priority? And here's just one way. Put God on your calendar. The things that end up on your calendar, you, you, are, you are saying, those are priorities. I'm going to do those things. Put God on your calendar. Make an appointment with God and keep it. Here's, here's another thing to help you develop a lifestyle of prayer. It's the place of prayer. Um, a very old school way to talk about prayer is to talk about going into the prayer closet uh, where you have time with God. Now, I'd, I, I've never really seen a prayer closet, uh, but I think this idea is right, that there's a place, there's a, there's a room, there's maybe a chair, there's maybe a deck, there's maybe a kitchen table, a basement floor, it doesn't matter where, but there's a place that you have so that you can pray, a prayer closet. Jesus had one of these. In Mark chapter 1, uh, we read that very early in the morning, Jesus, while it was still dark, Jesus departed from the 12, and He went off to a desolate place, and there He prayed. Desolate just means uninhabited. In other words, He was where He could be alone by Himself, just Him and God and no one else, and that's where He prayed. And one thing that Mark does not tell us is where this place was. Um, there are some theories. One theory is that maybe this place that Jesus routinely went to was the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe that was one of His permanent places of prayer. Now, I've never been to the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem, uh, but apparently, if you walk into that garden, there is a spectacular view of the city of Jerusalem from that garden. And so, that would make sense. Jesus going to this place, praying over the city, praying over the people that, that He has been sent to save, praying that that he would be used by God to carry out the mission that he was sent on. And if that's true, that this was the place that Jesus loved to pray over and over and over, then it makes sense that he would return to that place on the most troubled night of his life, the night before he died. He takes his disciples and they go into the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, pray with me, pray with me. It helps to have a place. And so, do you have a place, and where is it? Is it a room, or a closet, or a sidewalk, or a deck, or a yard, or a table, or a step? One of the things, one of the hindrances that we run into really quickly is 
a place that's not really even a place. Uh, this virtual place that we can pull out of our pockets, we soon realize, if you haven't figured it out already, it's a consuming place. The feed never ends. There's always another post, there's always another tweet, there's always another picture, and it consumes us. And that's important for prayer. This is why it matters. We have to learn to go to the place of prayer before we go to the place that consumes us. How many of us would honestly, uh, you know, lay our cards on the table and we would say, you know what, when my computer's on, I just don't go anywhere else? If, if you're honest, how many of you would say, you know, if my phone's within reach, then I can find myself on the phone while I'm even trying to talk to somebody or while I'm trying to watch a TV program? I mean, it's consuming, right? And let's just realize the trap that this virtual space can be, and let's realize that the only way we get to the most important place is if we go there before we go to the consuming place. And so, before you pull out your phone from your pocket or your purse, before you sit down and click on your mouse, before you pick up that TV remote for just a few minutes, find your prayer place. Maybe it's a walk through your neighborhood. Maybe it is a closet. Maybe it's your backyard. Maybe it's a certain room. Maybe it's not even a physical place, but it's just somewhere that you can go in your head so that you can allow your heart and mind to be totally focused on God just for a few minutes and to make prayer work every day, to pray without ceasing, to pray first. You need a place. Here's what you also need to develop a lifestyle of prayer. You need a plan of prayer, a plan. Uh, this year, I was in a fantasy football league for the very first time, and I uh, am proud to say that I finished absolute last place. Thank you very much. Uh, it's because I didn't pray first. <laughs> but fantasy football was kind of fascinating to me, and I'd always declined in years before because I did not want it to be this consuming thing that I thought it was. But it turns out it's not really that consuming. There's this, there's this app that you get, and you, you draft players through the app, and you set your lineup through the app, and your app uh, lineup has to be in by kickoff time. And it turns out that, you know, it doesn't really take much time after all, especially if you're shooting for last place which apparently I was. Uh, I became a real expert at leaving all of my top scoring players on the bench each week. That is the best losing strategy if you are keeping notes. Uh, but fantasy football worked in my life because there was a plan attached to it. And here's the truth. For every meaningful relationship in your life, in order for that meaningful relationship to continue, it depends on a plan. If you and I are being honest, a lot of us have a meaningful relationship with TV. Guess what? There's a plan behind TV. ABC, NBC, NBC uh, CBS, they all have a plan for you this week. It's to tune in on Thursday night and watch this show, and it's to tune in on Saturday night and watch this show. They have a plan. If you uh, like movies, if those are meaningful in your life, Netflix has a plan. Here's the new show. If you like books, Amazon has a plan. It'll show up in your email box. If you have a dog... Chewy.com has a plan for you. And plans are the way relationships are sustained. If you don't order from Chewy.com for a while, they have a plan for that. They will let you know, hey, your dog's starving in the corner. You need to reorder. They have a plan. So what's your plan for prayer? 
And that's where we want to give you help. Um, the main event that we are steering, ramping up to here is 21 days of prayer. And 21 days of prayer will start on February the 8th. Now, we don't want you to start praying uh, until the February the 8th. We want you to pray right now, but it's just on February the 8th, we will start praying all together the same things, and we will pray for 21 days straight. And to make that happen, we're going to send you tools. We're assembling packets that will uh, have a prayer guide. There will be a prayer journal. It, it will help you with ways to pray. There will be a schedule of prayer that we will all follow together, and then there will be some other fun stuff. One of the things that we're really excited about is a wristband uh, that you can wear uh, from now to eternity, and it just says, pray first. Yeah, that's what it says, pray first. And so, we want you to join in the 21 days of prayer, and to do that, you're going to need to use the church app to register. We need to know where to send the packet of uh, supplies to you. And so, uh, register for, via the church app, and we're asking everybody to register themselves. Nobody can pray your prayers for you, uh, and, and so, we're asking you to individually register yourself and commit to 21 days of prayer. If you need some help signing up through the app, let us know, and we will be glad to walk you through that. Now, a word of caution is that we want you to consider carefully, weigh carefully your commitment to praying for 21 days. We want everybody to join us in this journey, but we also want everybody who joins us to be absolutely all in on the journey. And so, weigh your commitment to really pray for 21 days, and then register, and then we will send you uh, a packet. And what is that packet? It's a plan. It's a plan. Prayer guides and ways to pray and tools to use. Plans work. That's why you need one. The disciples, when they came to Jesus, they realized that Jesus' prayers were different than everybody else's prayers. And they said, teach us to pray in Luke chapter 11. And in verse 2, he says this. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. What's He giving His disciples? He's giving them a plan. And that plan that He gave His disciples 2,000 years ago, that plan still works today. We're going to talk more about that plan next week. Um, but you need a plan if you're going to develop a lifestyle of prayer. Here's the last thing you need to understand is the person's of prayer. And this is probably the most important. If you get this one right, your prayers will be different and transformed, and they really will become like the air that you breathe. Prayer is really, at the end of the day, about connecting with God. It's about having a conversation with God. That's probably the simplest way to understand it. And so, when you have a conversation with God, you need to understand who you're talking to, and so, you need to understand that God is, in fact, three. And you know this. God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. And you know that all three are God. But we, what you may not know is that all three are involved in the prayer process. And that's a logical thing because the three natures of God have always existed together in unity, loving one another. From all eternity, this little circle of three has had this perfect friendship, and they have delighted in one another. They've loved one another. They've adored one another. There's no joy greater than what exists between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And a really smart guy a long time ago argued this way, that the only reason God had for creating us was not to get 
love from us or joy from us because He already had that in His little relationship of three. The reason that God created us was to share that love and joy, to invite us in to that little relationship that He had of three. And that's where prayer comes into the fray. Prayer is our way of entering into the happiness of God Himself. One of the greatest um, descriptions of the Trinity is Paul's closing line in 2 Corinthians. As he's signing off uh, after writing this letter to the Corinthian church, he says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Did you catch the three different persons there? And each person is related to in a different way, and that's what Paul tells us. He says, when we pray, we encounter the amazing grace of Jesus. The first dimension in prayer that you need to know is Jesus, that the only way to be confident that God is really hearing your prayer is to pray through the mediation of Jesus Christ. In other words, we come to Him, to God, in prayer in the name of Jesus, because Jesus is the high priest the priest to end all priests. He's the bridge. He's the connector. As humans, we can approach God with confidence because Jesus was willing to become like us and die in our place, take the payment for sin. And since we have that great high priest who connects us to God, we can draw near to God with full assurance. That's what Hebrews tells us. And that's the reason that we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name isn't just a tagline to end your prayer. It's not just, okay, somebody else can pray now in Jesus' name, right? It is a confirmation that we understand that the only acceptable way to approach God is through Jesus Himself. His death reconciled us to God and has made Him our Father so that we can be His sons and daughters. And that leads us to the second person that we encounter when we pray. We, we encounter the extravagant love of the Father. A good father, if you've had a good father, you understand that a good father is a relationship in life that denotes love and care. That's what a good father gives. In Galatians, Paul calls those of us who have trusted in Christ as sons and daughters he says, we are ones who have been adopted into God's family. And so, we are adopted by God who already has a son. That's an amazing thing. To be adopted by God is just like any other adoption that you know about. It means that when we're adopted into this family, we get all of the same rights and the same standing and the same love as if we were really a part of that family, because now we are. We are adopted into that family, and it's the same thing with God. We are adopted into His family, and what it means is that we have the same standing, and we are loved in the same exact way as the Son, Jesus, is loved. We are like Jesus. And we have unlimited access to a Father who loves us as if we were Jesus Himself. That's an amazing thing. Now, there's one more person, and it's the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, sometimes he's referred to as the Holy Ghost, and that's where it kind of gets creepy for us. Uh, we're not really sure how to respond to that. What is that? We're all confused. The Holy Ghost? I'm not, I'm not sure. It's kind of a Scooby-Doo episode all of a sudden. And in Romans, Paul says, if we trust Christ, then it just means that we've received the Spirit that gives us this great adoption. And through Him, we can cry out to God as a Father. And so, it's the Spirit that actually gives us access to God. It's like if a toddler were to approach the office building and take the elevator up three stories and go to the corner office and bypass all of the secretaries and all of the security and everything, and she just marches right into the CEO's office, and you're thinking, how in the world can she do that? She can do that because she's the CEO's daughter. And that's what we are. Because of what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit gives us confidence that we can approach God that we can run right into His lap because He's a good, loving Father. Probably the most practical way to view the Holy Spirit today is that the Holy Spirit is the one that goes with you after you pray. When you pray to Jesus, He's in heaven and He hears. When you pray to God, the Father, He's on the throne and He hears. But it's God the Spirit that hears and then says, okay, let's go live life together. Let's go watch the game. Let's go run that errand. Let's go spend time with your kids. His very name, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is paraclete in Scripture. That's the Greek term. And the Greek term paraclete means to walk alongside, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the one, He's the part of the Godhead that walks with you wherever you go in life, always, everywhere. And so, it's only in prayer that I will ever understand the grace of Jesus, that I will ever understand the love of the Father, that I will ever understand the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we have an epidemic of in our church right now is people who are, for some reason, scared to death to pray. And I'm not talking our church, I'm talking the whole, the whole church, not just ours. And I don't know why that is, but I do know the solution to it. The solution is that we have to see God as He really is. To get a better picture of God, to see Him as, as an amazing, gracious Son, as a loving Father, as an intimate friend through the Spirit. That view of God will have a lasting impact on how you pray. R.J. Foster says this, real pray, prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. And that's what we need over and over every day to see God as He is so that we can fall in love with Him again. Father, would You help us to see You as You really are? a son full of grace, a father full of love, a spirit full of friendship. And would you let that picture change the way we talk to you? Help us to know you as a friend. And it's in Jesus' name we pray first. Everybody said, amen. I'd like you to stand and uh, we're going to sing, but I need to go back to that very first, um, that very first thought, that very first person, the amazing grace of the son 
Maybe today you have never accepted the amazing grace of the Son. Maybe you're still carrying your own guilt, your own shame, and it, that only means that Jesus doesn't yet have it. Jesus offers to take that from you today. God can be to you the loving Father that you desire Him to be. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take you praying first. The one prayer that God is waiting for you, waiting for it, even, even if you are an unbeliever, He will hear this prayer. The prayer is this. God, forgive me. God, save me. God, I need your grace. God, would you become my friend today? And the way to receive that gift of grace is also a prayer. But it's not one we so much say as one we enact as we step down into the waters of baptism and say, God, I need you in my life. What does the scripture verse say on the wall over here? Calling out to God. That's what baptism is. It's a prayer saying, I need the, the love of the Father in my life through the graciousness of the Son so that I can walk with the Spirit the rest of my life. The water's ready today for you to pray first and to start your life over new and clean with God. As we sing, if that's your decision today, if that's something you need to do, we'll do that. I'll be right down here.